Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes. Today, we're recapping the very last episode of Dark. It's season three, episode eight, called The Paradise, I think. I don't know. They, uh, <laughs> I saw I saw a uh, translation that just said paradise, but I think it's The Paradise. I'll see what my co-host thinks. She's the one who we are thankful that she's here to provide the recap for us. It is complete, and she's with me. She is your host of one of my stories. It's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. And yes, I'm co-signing on this The Paradise business. Okay. That's, that's what we have to do. I mean, that's that's what I was told. That's Claudia <laughs> told me, and I do whatever Claudia tells me. I usually write down whatever words I see on the screen. So, like, that's that's where I'm getting my information from. It's, like, straight from the show itself. So that's what it said. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, yeah, the, the last one, Lindsay. I'm the, I mean, Adam, Adam might walk in here any second now and say, the circle is now complete. I hope he doesn't, because that was lame when he did. <laughs> or he might say, your journey is just beginning. I have a mission for you. <laughs> I need you to take that child that Hannah has in her belly at the end and take them on a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's been a ride, Steve. I mean, I, I can't believe here we are at the the end or the beginning or whatever we want to call this, but... I know. I mean, I can believe that we watched it, but I can't believe that we've been recapping it and talking about it and, and fielding feedback. And it's been, it's been really fun doing this. And yeah, I'm kind of bittersweet. Um, you know, whenever you're watching a show, you're always waiting for the conclusion, waiting for the end. It's like, oh boy, the last episode, it's here. And then when when it's done, it's done. And <laughs> we haven't finished this episode yet. We're just beginning. But yeah, we've seen this journey to the end. We haven't let any of your um <laughs> your folks down. Over over on your blog, you get a lot of comments, and I've seen a lot of comments, especially after season two. Like, hey, when are you going to finish? Are you ever going to do this thing? And now you can finally put it back in their face. I know, but that, that the problem is now I probably won't get any more comments ever again on anything because this is the only thing I ever get comments about. So that's kind of upsetting because it was like, when are you going to do season three? And, you know, they asked me that two years ago and I was like, I'll work on it. I thought I would finish that year, but it didn't happen. And here it is three years later, maybe it's 33 years, who knows, but <laughs> it's three years and I'm finished. I'm finished with the written recaps and today I'll do, we'll do this recap of this episode, the final episode, but mm -hmm. honestly, we could probably talk about Dark forever and maybe we'll, we'll talk about Dark at least once more, maybe next week, who knows. I don't think we've just solidified that, Steve, but I feel like there is more content we could create from this thing if we wanted to. Oh, no, absolutely. It's definitely there for the taking. Um, <laughs> just your recaps alone, like that's something I, another um, comment I wanted to make is you have left your mark, like with your written recaps on the web and of course the podcast as well. But I think people are more apt to like look at like um, like a, a written recap such as you provided. So you'll still be getting comments on this years and years down the road because this show hasn't been topped yet as <laughs> like one of the best shows ever. So people mm -hmm. are still going to be looking for recaps. Um, and 
you know, what we're doing right here is we're leaving our stamp on time. Some character in this show at some point in this episode was like, you know, does anything ever matter? Does like, does any, do we leave anything behind? Yes, Lindsay, you and I have left something behind. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've, you know, I've done it, Steve. I, I used the golden snitch and I broke through the barrier. So <laughs> one of my recaps, the one from season one, episode one is on that mm-hmm. front page of Google. If you put dark recaps, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dominating there, you know, so somehow <laughs> I, I went through the loop and I used the loophole and I'm on top. So. And even our, um, even these podcasts, like the, um, my top 10 podcasts of sweet child of time have always been like the 10 episodes of 1899, but, um, that's changed like in the past few weeks. Cause so many people have listened to our season one, episode one recap that that episode is now like my seventh most popular episode of the podcast. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we're moving up there. So speaking of comments, let me just read. We did get one a comment on one of the recaps. So I just wanted to read that because I thought it was really funny. It says, this is from Nikos. And okay. it was put on actually the season one, episode 10 recap for Alpha and Omega. Mm-hmm. It says, thank you so much for all your recaps. They are clear, succinct, and make the show even more interesting than it already is. I will recommend this blog to accompany the show to anyone who plans to watch it. And I look forward to reading your other reviews and recaps on to season two. And I thought this comment sounded familiar and I was right because they continue to say, I am copying the comment from the previous guy that made the same comment exactly one year ago. This way I am creating a mini dark episode story repeats after a year. However, I totally agree. You accompanied my watching, and that helped me a lot. Thanks. He got your little bootstrap happening over there. That's cool. <laughs> Maybe Nikos will come back every year and make the same comment. That would be fun. I think it's about that time for us to, to begin this discussion. I'm ready if you are. Yes, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So the episode begins with a replay of Michael Conwell sealing the suicide note and hanging himself on the ceiling rafters. Jonas then wakes up. This was shown in the very first episode of the show, and the showrunners pointedly start the ending where it all began. Yeah, I like we get like another peek at um, Mikkel's artwork here, which all kind of resembles like the God particle and like the between ways bridge that we see later on. I mean, not really, but I mean, just, you know, that big black darkness is all he's painting. And I kind of forgotten about that until this episode. Mm -hmm. Did you have to check your remote to make sure you were on the right episode when you started? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Because this does, this is season one, episode one. That's really smart the way they did that. (laughs) Yeah. And so then the first chapter of the episode is really a 20-minute conversation we witness between (laughs) Claudia and Adam as -hmm. she patiently explains how everything is really connected. And Adam actually shuts up and patiently listens. It's really nice (laughs) that he does that. He's an active listener in this episode. Yeah, I feel like it's nice that they finally gave... They gave this actor a little bit mm-hmm. of a different 
emotional affect in this episode. You know, yes. every all along we've seen him. He's just this real hard ass. He's always <laughs> talking. He's talking the most. He doesn't really let anybody get in a word edgewise. Asks all the questions, holds all the cards. Mm-hmm. And so that. Claudia's presence kind of stops stops the pattern from happening. Yeah, he's been in her presence before, but like her commanding like um, aura here, I, I guess because she's got the answers and she's presenting him new information. Um, you're getting ready to walk us through it, but like making his brain work a different way. Um, got to hand it to Claudia. I mean, <laughs> she's tops. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say if I'm, I'm not going to say who's my favorite this episode. I never do until the end. I get drop little hints here and there. But I mean, if you talk about who my favorite character of dark all around is, like this episode might have changed my opinion about that. Wow. Okay. Well, that definitely gives us a lot, a lot to think about. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that we, this starts with Claudia and Adam, you know, and Adam is Jonas and it kind of, as much as the show spends on Jonas and Marta, hmm. there's there's these different duos that are that are frenemies through the show, and one of them is definitely Claudia and Jonas. They keep getting mixed up in in different time periods together. What did right. what did Claudia call it? the positive feedback loop? And That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, that they're basically just, they're the ones that are keeping them thinking they know what's going on because the older self will tell the younger self, like Claudia will tell Mm -hmm. younger Jonas, but then Jonas will then tell Claudia. So they're bootstrapping it up (laughs) hardcore. Um, But so, yeah. We're, we're with this one of the dynamic duos of the show being <laughs> Claudia and Jonas slash Adam. But um, I broke protocol a little bit here just because it would be really boring to recap every single thing that was said. So I tried to summarize mm-hmm. and that that's not always my forte, but <laughs> I think you did a great job with this. You have you like you you pointed out the the bet, the better parts of Claudia's words and then you gave us some bullet points of some things we're seeing while she's talking so i think it works out really well mhm so she mentions that every attempt adam has made at untangling the knot has just led to the same conclusion okay. and solid start here because adam knows that <laughs> he's witnessed <Right>. it <laughs> Every yeah, time. Like, <laughs> that's what he keeps talking about. Yes. Okay. That, yeah. that point has been reiterated a lot. That's right. Yeah. And she comes in here. Let's remember, she did come in here at the moment where he tried to kill Marta by mm-hmm. tying her to a pile of rubble and putting the force of two apocalypses upon her at once. And... Try, he thought that would lead to a total oblivion and it didn't. So he's like, eh, my plan didn't work again. <laughs> uh, let's not slip past the fact that he did just commit murder. I mean, whether or not that Martha is real or a, or a dual Martha or whatever she is, 
he did just kill her. So, you know, I don't I don't want us to forget that. <laughs> yeah. He did kill her. Well, I didn't I, mean, I don't think I forgot about it. I guess I'm just saying that I did until just now. <laughs> until you just reminded me. <laughs> so I'm reminding myself, oh yeah, he's a murderer, so we don't yeah. want to get too happy. <laughs> but he wasn't just killing her to kill her. He had an other he had like a main goal. Of course, yeah. Did he have we to do it that way? We mentioned last episode everybody's yeah. a murderer and a kidnapper in this show. We got to get past that. <laughs> yeah. Or I got to get past that. Okay. He did not kill the origin when he killed Marta because the unknown is not the true origin. Right. Now that's I new mean, information for him. <laughs> and I guess for us too, like we're learning mm -hmm. this as he's learning it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we were fed that, fed that, Theory, <laughs> I guess we can call it a theory at this point. It mm -hmm. didn't happen. Sure. The true origin lies outside in a third world. And the concept of Triketra comes to bite Adam in the butt, and he's embarrassed that he missed it. Nothing is complete without a third dimension. And this is something that was talked about all the way back in season one mm -hmm. in the in the workshop between Tanhouse and and Stranger Jonas. So Adam should feel dumb that he didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, and he's had a lot of time to like really think about every single angle of everything. But I mean, you know, this is a story beat, so we have to, you know, take it for what it is. But yes, like I've, I've done my part as, as well as I'm sure you have of like looking through Instagram posts and looking back at Reddit posts to just see, you know, just to see if I've missed anything or see if there's any interesting theories that I could bring up here that the Triketa at that time was presented to him at that time back in season one. And mm -hmm. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's clear. <laughs> but there's been a lot of instances that where we've talked about threes. You know, so. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's like the three unknown. What other three? Yeah, there's three always like an older, younger, and um, middle-aged version of right. everybody in this show. And just three, 33, all the threes. So I'm sure there's there's more <laughs> we're not thinking of. Yeah. So um, in the origin world, Tanhouse tried to bring back someone from the dead, but instead he split and destroyed his world creating what became Adam's world and Eva's world. And the glow from the machine is orange, splitting into yellow and red. And this explains why the primary color at the school and the power plant in Adam's world is yellow. And in Eva's world, we often see red. The suits, for instance, were the bright yellow color in Adam's world. But in Eva's world, the hazmat suits at the power plant were red. Mm-hmm those two together make orange. And so that's the splitting yeah. of the worlds. Very neat show device. I mean, of course, all colors exist in all of the worlds, but the prominent colors that we see that have symbolism um, are different in the two worlds. Just really neat, like visual device. Um, everything about this show, like even towards the last episode here, really folds into itself perfectly. And, mm -hmm. you know, just the fact that it's orange and it just makes perfect sense that like red and yellow make orange. It's, um, I don't know. I'm in love all over again. <laughs> <laughs> all 
All right. In order to untangle the knot, Adam, Jonas, and Eva, Marta, must prevent the invention of time travel in the origin world. Um, yeah, that right there is just a neat concept for the show. It's like, you want to stop all this stuff from happening? Well, stop time travel from happening, because that's exactly what caused all this, is time travel loops. So it kind of like, again, folds <laughs> into itself perfectly. Just get rid of time travel. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Make it not happen. Yeah, but then we wouldn't have the show. Yeah, we okay. want the show. So yeah, well, we got we we get we get a peek into alternate universes. We're lucky enough as Earthlings to be able to um to view this world that never existed. It's great. Mm -hmm. Claudia feels bad that she had to hide the truth from Jonas, but mm -hmm. she needed him to stay the course. She needed everything to keep happening as it always had. She's very busy. She has an agenda and she has all these places she has to be. Um, she's a busy gal. But this is the first time they're having this conversation. So change can happen. She knows this because she spent 33 years looking for answers and realized that not everyone is part of the knot. Mm -hmm. Adam can use the loophole during the apocalypse when time stands still for a fraction of a second. During that brief second, the chain of cause and effect is broken and true change is possible. And Adam will send Jonas to use this loophole to create a fourth ending. Right. <laughs> Which seems like it should be the third ending if this is the Triketa, but I mean, yeah. yes, that, that's right. The end of Adam's world, Eva's world, the bad origin world, and create a perfect ending for the the good origin world where good things happen. And I guess the world doesn't, doesn't explode. Cause while she was talking all about that, um, tan house did fire up the machine, right? We saw that happen. Yeah. Cause you said it was orange. It was an orange thing. And then like those big white mm -hmm. pillars of light, I kind of got the impression that was, that got a little out of control. And, mm -hmm. um, I saw some theories that I kind of agreed with that, um, Tanhouse, when he did that, he destroyed the origin world and then created mm -hmm. these two split worlds with Adam and Eva, um, yeah. which, you know, there's really no proof of that one way or the other, but that kind of makes sense to me because it seems like that machine was, um, was, <laughs> was pretty powerful and out of control. And I don't know if it had the power to rip the universe apart, but it seemed like it had the potential based on what it did. So um, I'm kind of a believer of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somebody. So one of the another recap I read was saying that. So we saw Tanhouse doing, you know, trying to run this machine several times. We see that scene several times. Mm -hmm. And so i assumed it was the same scene they were just showing it again to remind us like remember when this happened yes but somebody mm -hmm. else said actually um this is actually him trying it multiple times so but but that the neat well, thing that about that okay. the neat thing about that is it's kind of like the same argument that we can we could debate later on the show is like, are you team loop? Are you team? Like it actually happened one time. <laughs> it's like, it really doesn't uh -huh. matter. It could be, it could be like, he did it several times. It could be, he's just doing it one time. And we're seeing it multiple times. Either way, we're seeing like this chain of cause and effect. And so 
the final it could be like he kept trying and failing and then at right. the end he yes. tries and he has he keeps increasing the power each time that's what so i that think final yes. time yeah <laughs> exactly what i think right there and i'm te- i'm definitely team this happened one time and it seems like it happens multiple times especially to people like Jonas and Martha and Claudia because they keep running into alternate versions of themselves and alternate versions of other people. So it seems like it's this endless cycle, but I'm really a firm believer that it, it all just went through and happened one time and folded into itself. And I have no way to prove that, but that's, that's my line of thinking. Um, and mm-hmm. this episode told me otherwise, like the characters within the episode and the show itself is telling me differently. It's telling me, that this is a loop that keeps happening over and over again, even though the show that I trust is telling me that I'm just thinking to myself, well, the, the characters are wrong. The characters think that because they're trapped in the loop and they feel like it keeps happening over and over again. Um, hmm. So it's not that I think I'm smarter than Claudia cause I don't, but I mean, from my perspective, it seems like everything just happens one time because if it kept happening multiple times, it's like, when does that start time begin and end and does it affect other people? And surely other people in the world, like the, all the people who work in the labs and the other police officers who aren't quite involved in this loop and all their neighbors and everybody else in town would, you know, Mm -hmm. start to notice things going awry as well. Uh, Well, I'm not really backing up my theory, but (laughs) Yeah, there's actually one scene I want to talk about later that makes me almost sure that it has happened more than once. But okay, yeah, but yeah. So, as Claudia describes the intricacies of Trinity to Jonas, she uses many of the exact lines that Tanhouse did when talking to Stranger Jonas in season one in his workshop. This means that all along, main writer Yancha Freeze was giving us hints as Mm -hmm. to the show's big reveal. If you look closely now, you can see they gave us the red thread to untangle this labyrinth from the beginning. Specifically, I'm talking about the line about dualities. We think about the world in dualities, black, white, good, evil, but this is wrong. And that Tanhouse said that exact same line. So it's like Claudia is almost a conduit of Tanhouse, and she's his she's his copy in that's not in the origin world. Like he channeled himself into her somehow. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yes, echoing something you just said is that Claudia mentions that in the origin world, Tanhouse's actions destroyed the world. So theoretically, if we traveled to world three after Tanhouse created the passage, we would find nothing or another type of apocalypse we never see that though. So the destruction in Adam and Eva's world is an effect of that in the origin world. But I I hadn't thought about that before, that it says that he destroyed his own world and created R2. So if we went to the origin world, what would we see? Would we see would we see a destruction or would it be oblivion? So Yeah, I think it'd probably be similar to Martha's world. Maybe it would just be completely dark. <laughs> Like the show title suggests. Yeah. Or it could be a combo. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? 
just I'm just trying to think how like one small machine that could fit inside a bunker could like take out the entire world. Um, anything's possible in sci-fi though. I did mm-hmm. just watch um, a show last night. Um, I can't the name it foundation. And it's like, they have this huge world and like just these two terrorists with just like, you know, random bombs, small bombs were able to take out like this entire world, very similar. And took out like a hundred million individuals. And it's like, wow, that's like a really weak system. If just like two dudes <laughs> can do that. And it, I feel the same way about this, but, um, you know, Tanhouse is supposed to be like the ultra genius. Yeah. Or do they mean it figuratively? Like he hmm. destroyed his own world, meaning how he destroyed his own world by his actions leading to his family's death. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so. sure. I mean, yeah, they do a lot of that kind of double talk in this show. So, Claudia, what did you mean? Let's <laughs> come back. We need to bring her in. We need to bring her in. <laughs> so then in the middle of the monologue, we see Eva instructing Alt Marta with the giant gash on her left cheek about why she must kill Jonas. Eva tells Marta that she carries both worlds inside of her, referring to her son, the unknown. Marta's son will give life to everyone in the knot. As Eva finishes sharing this revelation, the unknown comes into the air at Lux Lair. The smallest unknown comes forward and grips Marta tightly around her waist. This is the first time he will meet his mother. This is the only time, the young, the youngest one, I mean. This is the only time we see the unknown show any affection and only the second time we have seen him try to connect with another human. The first was Trant. That's right. I'd forgotten about that. Good reminder. Um, do you remember which episode that was? That was, it had to have been, uh, not episode. Yeah, which episode that was? It was something that in was season this, three. <laughs> it was definitely this season because that's when the unknown showed up. It must have been like episode two or three. But yeah, I didn't realize this is the only time the little guy is seeing, quote unquote, his mother. Because I think about his mother being any version of Martha, any version of Eva. So I guess mm-hmm. that's not exactly true, is it? I mean, yeah. It there's there's so much of it we don't see here. We don't see Marta give birth. Mm-hmm. We don't see anybody raise this child. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he meets. You know, it's obvious that he's met Stranger Marta, maybe, unless she was just hanging out in the apocalypse world for Jonas and Alt Marta to get there. And he's met Eva because Eva's the one that sends him on the mm-hmm. missions. So they're his mother. But I guess they I guess they mean like the young mother you think of when you think of somebody nurturing you. And taking care of you and Yeah. So yeah, it's really kind of sad <laughs> seeing this. You know, he comes in and just and hugs her and, and I think Eva says something to the to the something like, He's been waiting a long time for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't get the picture that he was ever like nurtured, really. I think he was just straight up raised and taught what he needed to be taught. 
and in my head canon it was stranger martha um and maybe eva that did that because i don't think well i mean there has to be a martha that exists between young martha and stranger martha just in my head canon that's where that's who did that is stranger martha because she had to do more than just wander around the desert for 33 years (laughs) Mm -hmm. sounds biblical doesn't it (laughs) yeah and i'm just trying to picture how the unknown like how that happened that there's the three of them (laughs) yeah there's you know that is that's something that's that's something we can ponder that's something we can ponder on one of on one of our later episodes because i i think that's that's a a great idea actually because I've seen another version of that in another show that I'd like to bring up in that episode. Hmm. Okay. So Marta doesn't seem to know what to think of this revelation that she has this child. (laughs) And based on her response, you might think she's repulsed by his presence. And that makes me feel sad for the unknown who seems genuinely happy to finally meet this mother. Marta cries, but doesn't embrace him back. So I'm not sure what she's crying about. Then the middle-aged unknown touches Marta tenderly on the face like men do to Hannah. He wipes a tear from her eye. And we have come to associate this type of touch with a level of disinterest. So it doesn't come across as pleasant. Yeah, with the show math, I I can see where you're coming from. I didn't take it that way. When I saw this scene, I saw the little kid hugging Martha, and I saw the older guy. I thought it was a tender thing, like, oh, mom, don't cry. I love you. Um, so I think I think you're right, um, what you're saying here, because like, if you look at all the past versions of that, it does kind of add up. Mm-hmm. So I'm agreeing with you here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm agreeing with myself, but... It could, I just, it just seemed weird that they would pick that. Um, so, yeah. Every motion is deliberate. Every line is deliberate. And there's, there's no wasted lines in the show whatsoever. Yeah. Which is one thing he that doesn't I like say, about it. He doesn't say, you're beautiful or anything like that. <laughs> so that would be, they really wanted to channel it. They would have done that. Um. <laughs> So then Stranger Marta comes into the lair and gives her a change of clothes and a gun. Mm-hmm. Eva tells her that if she wants Jonas to live, that she must do what has always been done. Bartosh is now nowhere to be found, so all sense of rescue, familiarity, or warmth has now been taken from Marta. It's interesting. Do you think he was sent away by Eva, like to go probably go on like another mission somewhere? I don't like know. You never know with Bartosh. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that bad. Come on. He's just playing video games somewhere. That's all. <laughs> you found a Nintendo off stage. Maybe. That would be that would be nice to think maybe he has a kind of normalcy <laughs> happen. <laughs> so now we see Marta off stage as she prepares to shoot Jonas. And I can't help thinking that this feels like a stage play. Stranger Marta waits outside the door until she gets her cue and then enters the Mm -hmm. room. Then Marta enters stage left and delivers the lines she must. It all feels like a performance that no one really wants to attend. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I like that last line. And I thought the exact same thing too. I wrote in my notes that um, Martha waits backstage until she gets her cue to go on stage. So I basically wrote the exact same thing you did in our note taking here, which um, I guess you're supposed to think that that's exactly what it seems like um, that she's just going through a role. And then, Hey, think about this. That, that is what Martha was. She was in the play at school um, mm-hmm. for Ariadne. So like, this is kind of like just another role she's playing that she has to get right. Better get this one right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she definitely doesn't want to do what she's doing, but it's like, here yeah. you go. And here's even your costume that you need yeah. to put on. <laughs> your stage props. That's right. <laughs> So the next scene shows Claudia and Trant talking in the old graveyard in the apocalypse world. Trant shares that he always thought Regina was his daughter. Claudia wanted that too, but now she's glad that he isn't because Regina isn't part of the knot and can truly live. She talks Trant into killing Regina because she's not living much of a life anyway. She also knows that if Regina dies, her younger self, meaning Claudia, will be motivated to move heaven and earth to find her and or to find a way to save her. And before he leaves, the two old lovers embrace. Yeah, loving I loving this, all this. Um it's it's nice they they came back and they showed us the reason that Trant, you know, goes in there and kills Regina, because it's kind of left, you know, it's it's cool they actually showed the conversation and like the emotion behind it um instead of us just speculating oh i guess he just killed her because she has cancer or something i don't know <laughs> this this is a lot more um i don't know romantic i suppose in a way um yeah and i guess we uh can't really quite talk about we'll talk about Listeners, go ahead if you if you want to hear us talk about who <laughs> who Regina's dad is. Fast forward about an hour because we'll be talking about it at the very end. <laughs> is that right? Um, that's the best place to discuss that. Yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> at this point, it's just interesting that like it's like what Tron's not <laughs> not Regina's dad. Then who the hell is? Um, mm-hmm. You know that had all the question marks shooting out of my head at this point. So I was um, really looking forward to finding out that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All, I think all that awkward conversation between Trant and Regina in the car <laughs> that, that didn't have to happen. <laughs> Trant, you could have just been chill. <laughs> Did she say anything about me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is interesting to think about this concept of, you know, she tells Adam earlier that she realized Regina isn't part of the knot. And I wonder how she did, you know, it's like we, another, it's another mystery of the show. We don't really know what she means by that. Well, I think she understands how the knot's working because, I mean, this show, that's another note that I wrote down that I haven't gotten to, is that, um, you know, Jonas and Martha are busy creating the knot and perpetuating the knot. Meanwhile, Claudia is trying to unravel it. So she's been spending all this time doing her family trees 
You know what I mean? Like you spent like last night doing the Jonas family tree. Like Claudia had 33 years to do this. So I think like, you know, she just figured out that, oh, like she, she is not part of this, this not because if she was trance, then she would be, but because her lineage comes from elsewhere, she's not. And, um, I don't know, again, back with those trees, they showed the trees when they were talking about that. That's exactly how those burl trees work where they get like a knot inside of itself and it just keeps perpetuating the knot and you can't untie that knot without killing the tree. <laughs> Let's fact check this with Heather. Anything you say about burl trees, we'll <laughs> we, we fact check with Heather. <laughs> Everything I'm saying oh. from this point forward, I've learned from Heather <laughs> and Wikipedia. Oh. Just going back to Claudia and Trant and like the belief that they were, they were Regina's parents. Mm -hmm. Part of the proof of that also, or what confused people so much, is that in the Eret Lux layer, there's that family tree on the stone that she has, right, with all the people's sure. names. Yeah. On that family tree, in the Eret Lux layer. It actually says Regina's parents are Claudia and Trant. Oh, yeah. Um, so the theory is about that, that Claudia hid, she lied to Eva and told her to hide from Eva that Regina was not part of the knot. So she wouldn't suspect you know, to, to hide her information or her secret. And so, yeah, it was like a, a piece of fact that she was masking mm -hmm. from Eva that's in the show. And so I think a lot of people, you know, were very part of the confusion was they were like, no, it's on the family tree. It's on the family. Like if you go to Reddit, there's a lot of people that, oh, that were okay. like really upset because they were like, but it's even in the thing. And they're like, <laughs> well, Claudia must have lied. And there it is in writing. So just like I was saying, like, I think some of the characters are wrong in some of their assessments, <laughs> them as characters are wrong. They were written to be wrong. Right. So mm -hmm. like that, 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 that really resonates with me. Okay. So during the next part of Claudia's monologue, we see a split screen of the worlds paralleling what happens between Ulrich and Helge in world one and two. We've already seen what happens between them in world one, but not world two. So as a reminder in world one, Ulrich arrives in 1953 and encounters little boy Helge bashing him in the ear with a rock. In world two, Helge is making pinecone figurines outside of his cabin in 1986. And this is middle-aged Helge. Ulrich comes by asking if Helge saw an old man and Ulrich does not recognize Helge. And today's date is November 8th, 1986. Ulrich sees a bunker door open, sees the bunker door open and assumes Helge is hiding Mads in the bunker. So this time he hits Helge in the eye with a rock. Ulrich then drags middle-aged Helge down the stairs to the bunker, covered in the most heinous yellow wallpaper ever known to <laughs> mankind. <laughs> as horrible as the blue wallpaper room is in World 1, I can barely look at this room. 
I mean, I thought yellow was supposed to be like the color of hope. And like, you know, we always associate with the yellow, the yellow raincoat. And like, so <laughs> I think you should be loving this yellow room. You should feel at home. <laughs> but it's a different yellow. It's like mustard yellow. And did you know you can buy this wallpaper paper? If you go to um, if you go no. to Pinterest, maybe it maybe it's a joke. I don't know, but if you go to Pinterest, like if you put um, if you put like dark bunker wallpaper, you okay. can. There's pictures of it, so I don't. I'm like, blue I wonder if you can yellow. actually. Yeah, blue and yellow. They have it like half. <laughs> and they have the show both colors. That's like, why would you want that for your child? <laughs> I think it's kind of kind of cute, actually. I mean, I don't know if I do a whole room, but you know, like when you do like a strip of your room, like where you do like an accent wall or like an accent stripe <laughs> okay. across the room, that'd be kind of cool. I think I would dig that. Maybe um, an accent wall. Yeah. <laughs> getting back to our show, this split screen, like I've told you before how much of a sucker I am for it and how mm -hmm. I love like these time parallels. And I have a, I have a, like a little, just one-off random theory about this. I know we have a little bit more to go. Actually. Yeah. I'll let you finish. And, um, and then, and then I'll give my, um, comments. Okay. So Ulrich hears a scraping sound and turns around to find old Helge brandishing a crowbar. <laughs> he proudly smashes Ulrich in the head three times. He then reaches into his pocket and pulls out the two pennies. Just then, Claudia shows up, and middle-aged Helge begins to stir. He is alive after all. Ulrich mm -hmm. didn't realize you can't kill someone that already exists. Mm -hmm. He needed he needed Noah to show him that, um, <laughs> so he didn't have that. So when old Helge told Ulrich that she said I had to do it, he meant Claudia. So you were right. We t we had this discussion a couple episodes about back when Helge said she, she like I was like it's got to be Eva right and here's the proof I think positive we both... that it was Claudia yeah no we I didn't I didn't think of Claudia for some reason I guess I had forgotten this I was like I think figured it was Eva so yeah I guess we both figured it was Eva and here's proof that it was not I suppose <laughs> but it's, it's just neat that like how this comes around and how, yeah, it's old Helge, and then it's young Helge. We see all three Helges in this sequence of events. We see baby Helge, middle age, and old one. And it's the same age Ulrich all three times. So what I was going to say with like my little just mini theory that doesn't even make any sense and doesn't even need to exist is I bet you, like, because they're showing this as like this defining event to show how the two worlds are parallel and how this, um, this is like an important event that like, you know, led people down a path. It would have been cool if they could have showed like the Mickle thing. They could have, if they could have gone back to Mickle and like shown like the point when Mickle got taken away. But I think the path, because he's older now and like, he looks so much different. Like we saw Mickle like in the episode one of this season and he just can't play his younger self anymore. I think maybe like it's obvious the showrunners knew what they were doing from the first season. So it would have been really cool if they could have like filmed some like season three stuff with little Mickle while he was still that age. Um, maybe that, you know, just wasn't something they could do. 
Um, but I think that would have been a, a neat moment to go back to, like our defining nickel moment with his skeleton costume. Yeah, it would have been. But what would we? What would he have done in World Two? Because World Two nickel doesn't do much. Just like the moment he goes through the cave, I think. I think yeah. that was like. But a he really, didn't like, go through the cave. I think that's. But well, yeah, I mean, I do think you're right he, that. Go ahead. I was just going to say like the apex of like episode, season one, episode one is like, you know, when he like disappears. Um, I don't know. I just think that would have been a, would have been a neat thing to go back to if we could have. Um, but just yeah. because of aging, we could not. But also, but also what I'm saying is world two Mickle doesn't do anything. So he wouldn't be going to the cave. So what would they show world two Mickle doing? Oh, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because these two storylines are exactly the same, basically just a different age. Okay, I'm I'm with you. Well, can you yeah, agree with me that that Helge has terrible fashion sense of jackets? Like, <laughs> I've been like clocking his jackets this whole show, and none of his jackets are any good. They're awful. They're like they don't fit him right. They're just unseemly and just bad material. They did him wrong. <laughs> Um, sure. I all agree that Helge's fashion <laughs> sense isn't the best, but I think they did that on purpose. But, yeah. Steve, I will say what I okay. really want to talk about with this scene is this is the scene that makes me think things are happening more than once. Oh, because, okay. Okay, so because we have to think about the two pennies. <laughs> Let's okay. talk about the two pennies. So, yeah. in... What we see in this scene, um, when Helge hits Ulrich in the head with the crowbar, he right. goes into his pocket and he picks out the two pennies. He finds the two pennies in Ulrich's pocket and gets them. And just then, yes. Claudia arrives. So just in the nick of time, Claudia arrives and sees. So that makes me think that Claudia set up this operation somehow like she told um now i you could say well since she's she's the time wizard she just knows when to show up but um <laughs> i feel like they that was like a, a test to see remember there was the one penny then charlotte put had both pennies so then he goes in the pocket and he finds two pennies but he wouldn't have found two pennies the first time he would have only found one penny Because Ulrich had one pen, two pennies, because Charlotte came to his house and dropped off the evidence at, with him and Hannah when she was acting all weird, and then um, they found then then they got the two pennies from the pocket. So I just I think like it seems like Claudia okay. and during that scene, Claudia is also talking about how she kept trying things to see if. I forget exactly what the quote is, but she says something to the effect of, I tried everything. And then she they show this thing with Ulrich as if she's saying, this is one of the things I tried, was sending both pennies through to see if they would come out. And mm. they did. I don't know. So that's I guess that's like, yeah, it's not yeah. the most solid evidence, but. I mean, if it convinces yeah. you, then that's all that matters. I mean. For me, I think that like the pen, the two pennies there 
is just another example of the bootstrap paradox, which falls in line with the one timeline thing. <clears throat> and the object is moving back and forth in time, but it's just happening one time as it moves back and forth in time. That's just my opinion, though. Um, as for your point about how would Claudia know exactly what time to be there, which is an excellent point that I have thought about <laughs> um, because there's another moment in the, in this episode too, where another person um, just seems to know exactly what's going to happen at exactly what time. And that is because also because they're time traveling um, because maybe their younger self or another person's younger self may have like fed them information like that younger um, Helge at some point in time between old, grown into older Helge, you know, told Claudia this situation that happened. So that's how Claudia knew to be there. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny that the same object can help convince us of our different theories. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and if it happened again, they'd have three pennies or maybe four. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> of pennies. Okay, so with the, after this Ulrich and Helge thing, Claudia finishes her instructions to Adam and we cut to black. So we've now finished section one of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we finished the opening dialogue. But that's still yeah. that was that was 20 minutes right there, right? Of the episode. Yeah. That mm -hmm. was a pretty long one. And Adam did a good job of shutting up and listening. <laughs> yes. So the action picks up on the day of the apocalypse in World 1. At the Conwald house, Jonas hovers over the body of Marta, now dead, after Adam shot her. Jonas promises to make things right. In walks Adam, who manages to look a little sheepish. He looks <laughs> down at the body of Marta, too. Jonas lashes out bitterly, asking why he's still there. He grabs Adam by the collar, shaking him. Adam tells Jonas he can explain everything, but that they have to leave now. Jonas needs to trust him. <laughs> of course. <laughs> There's no reason for Jonas to trust this man who has fed him nothing mm -hmm. but lies, but mm -hmm. this Jonas is at his weakest point. He has just lost everything. Adam powers up the golden snitch and grabs Jonas by the arm. I do appreciate how Jonas yells, what is that? Several times. <laughs> and that is how Bartosz felt when the stranger burst in and forced them all to time travel with him. Adam and Jonas poof out, leaving a trail of golden stars. Now, something about like those golden stars has kind of convinced me that like, you know how I've been talking about how the... Um, in time travel movies, it kind of bothers me how, like, a person, like, if, if they, like, in Back to the Future, like, the picture of his brother and sister disappearing. Like, that's always kind of bothered me. I'm like, they're, a, they're like, a, a, a real thing full of atoms. They can't do that. But then I see something like this, and I'm reminded that when they're time traveling, they're doing the same thing with their atoms. Their atoms are dissipating and then they're reforming in another place. So what happens when somebody like in back to the future, his brother and sister cease to disappear for that moment. Um, yeah. Their atoms are dissipating. And instead of going back in time, 
they're going to non-existence. They're going into a black hole. So like this, this episode has helped change my mind about that. Cause that always kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, you know, people getting sucked out of existence, but it seems like within the, the logic of this, that makes sense to me. Hmm. Well, I guess it's interesting that Adam shows up and says this speech, right? You know, we have to go right now. You have to trust me. He has the golden snitch. He grabs Adam by the arm. It's a lot like what Alt Marta did (laughs) when she shows up and saves him. Yeah. I actually have a lot to say about like all this. Because that's yeah, really weird, do. first off, that, um, yeah, he he was just there to kill him, or to kill, to kill her. He did kill her, and now he shows up again, and it's such a bizarre <laughs> sequence. Because, um, like you said, it's a completely different Adam. He's acting different. He has a different vibe. He's shaken. But more importantly, he has that golden snitch, so he can, like, show up at any moment that he wants. So it's kind of interesting how he's able to show up at that exact moment um, as opposed to like he could have showed up like right before he shot Martha or something. You know, if you look at it from that respect, I think that Claudia must have done a really good job of convincing him of an exact time, exact place to be. Um, Because we don't really see all like those the intricacies of like the the details of the plan, the logistics of this plan that Adam is coming to tell Jonas, but it must be a lot. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to do here and it all depends on like everything happening within a split second and when it's supposed to happen, there's a lot to lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't go back and look at what Adam says right before. So I was seeing if I could find that really quick. You mean the um, murder at the, the Adam that shot Martha? when he when he kissed because like he's he's appearing right after he's killed Marta, right? Right. So I'm like, what did he actually say? Um, he <laughs> mentions the circle closes, yeah. and he <laughs> says the cycle has to repeat. What is created today is the beginning of the end. The dark matter must be created so that in the future it can lead to its new purpose. And that I'm the trigger that will make Jonas into what Adam is today, which, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds a lot like what Claudia says to Trant, you know, uh, you have to kill Regina so that, you know, that I'll move heaven and earth to do this. That's right. Um, you'll carry this pain your whole life until you're ready to let go. And you can stop me or save Marta. And then he walks out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, a lot depends a lot on like do. the yeah, a lot depends on people just um following the other person around despite whatever trauma they just went through. <laughs> Cuz it seems like the all these characters have been through a lot at these moments. Mhm. And did we already talk about how um Eva has been aware of that fraction of a second. Did we skip over that or does that come in later? I had it in the recap, but I took that part out as a bullet point. But yeah, she, we, so yeah, we did skip that 
So if you want to talk about that now, we I can. do. That's that's what I really wanted to go back to because I feel like that was a big thing that's been skipped. Is something that I completely missed. Um, my first watch through of this was that Eva was aware of this fraction of a second, and that Claudia became aware of that just through happenstance, right? Like Eva isn't aware that Claudia is aware of that. Is that that seems? I don't know if Eva's not aware of it, but. You know, Claudia mentions that Eva uses this loophole to send herself hither and thither. So she's been using it to send her one direction or another. Right, right. But yeah, I kind of get the impression that um, Eva doesn't... Because last episode, it seemed like Eva kind of knew that Claudia was like a different Claudia. Like the kind of like sideways look she was giving her. But based on Eva's, you know, reaction towards the end of this episode, it seems like she's completely taken aback. Like she thinks it's just another perpetuation of the knot. And it's and it's not. <laughs> it's not the knot. <laughs> um because of Claudia. Um, you know, finding out about that that one second gap and exposing it. Just shout out Claudia again for how smart she is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So after Adam and Jonas poof out, they arrive in the cave, the cave where Alt Marta took Jonas. Adam explains that they are in another world. Jonas can avoid becoming him if he will listen to Adam and trust him. And they leave the cave together in world two. It's strange to see Jonas coming out of the cave looking lost. And this is his first time, this Jonas, this is his first time in world two. And Lewis Hoffman has had to play so many versions of Jonas feeling one way or another. So shout out to him, the actor, for playing all these different Jonases. Yeah, I did realize that was like this Jonas's first time in World 2 until you pointed it out to me here. So (laughs) I'm I'm sure some listeners might be in the same boat. So, yeah, that is kind of neat. Let's count all the Jonas's at some point. Because <laughs> we thought we did at one point, but I think we were wrong. I think there's more Jonas's than we realize. Yeah. So Adam warns him that he doesn't have much time. He must save the other Marta. Jonas is surprised that there is another Marta. Adam mm-hmm. tells him that, yes, both of them must go together to accomplish this goal. What we know is a drop. What we don't know is an ocean. Adam doesn't spend precious moments offering apologies. There's nothing he can do to bring the other Marta back, but he can give Jonas a companion to travel with into the darkness for this last adventure. He needs that companion, though. That's that's a pretty important companion to have. He does end up needing needing her, but yeah, I'm not sure if he really, you know, Adam says here they both have to do it, but I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if that's really true, but okay. You know, I mean, but it's like, it's kind of like Frodo needed Samwise Gamgee <laughs> to mm-hmm. help him, help him do it, you know, like. He Frodo was the one that had to carry the ring, but Samwise yep. <laughs> kept him going. So carried Frodo. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And Martha did, a, I think Martha did a couple things at the end of this episode mm-hmm. that, um, that complimented Jonas that, you know, with her not being there, maybe it wouldn't have gone that way. Maybe it was her words that got through and not Jonas's words. Yeah. It just makes, you know, linear sense, you know, <laughs> Jonas yeah. and Martha, it's, it's gotta be. But it's nice that Adam drops in this, we bring back this line we heard Bern Doppler say, <laughs> was the yep. first one on the show that that we heard say. So, um, yeah. And we, I don't know where Adam heard this, but maybe Claudia told him, <laughs> who knows. <laughs> he told himself at one point, probably. <laughs> like, this might be the first time Jonas, young Jonas is here in this. Well, okay, that that theory doesn't really hold true. Yeah, because... no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. This is not something they wrote in the journal that I know of. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so nearby, Helge walks toward the cave, saying "TikTok." Adam knows it's the day of the apocalypse in Eva's world. The loophole exists here too. In the moment that time stands still, Jonas must get to Marta before Magnus and Francisca. If Jonas misses the loophole. The loop will start again. Alt-Marta will go with Magnus and Francisca back to regular Adam, who will send her to 1888. That's right. It, it does have to be like that exact moment. Yeah, because otherwise she's getting ready to bail, and then it, he won't be able to grab her. Yeah. So something that could be missed here is that Claudia tells Adam that she had to use the loophole to get to him, to tell him about the way out of the labyrinth. That means Adam had to wait to travel back in order to use the loop again. And this is only made even clearer by the appearance of Helge. We are seeing the scene that we just saw before on the split screen. Yeah, I did miss all that. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't really have any notes because I completely missed that until I read your recap, you know, a couple hours ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it's something that I was like, wait, so we just saw Helge going TikTok. And I was like, wait, we just saw this before. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was starting to think, and I think I was overthinking a little bit, but I was like, Claudia tells Adam she had to use that loophole so she could tell him about the loophole. So that means <laughs> right. she, sure. and at first I was thinking, does that mean he had to wait? another cycle to get to the loophole and i was like no no, no. Oh, he can time no. travel he can time travel to right before where the loophole was and i guess if they missed it he could travel back again you know it's like a back to the future situation but but the way mm-hmm. that he that they say it is that if you miss the loophole the loop will start again so i don't know i guess that they would the- just have to keep redoing it somehow yeah i don't uh- I guess it would be a different show if that happened, if he missed Martha. I think I think maybe he would just have to rush and try to do it by himself and probably fail. <laughs> and then the loop would start again. Sure. Adam can't yeah. run that fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it hurts your head a little bit to too much to think about it too much, but it it could be that like, Hopefully, if that happened, Adam could just like, you know, it's like rebooting a video game. I'll just start over at that position Respawn. and do this again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, that's right. If he misses Martha, that's right. We'll we'll get to it. But that's right. He's got infinite lives he can uh he can do here. Um so back in Sigmundus, older Claudia tells middle-aged Claudia that Adam will send Jonas on the mission. He and Marta will stop this from happening. Middle-aged Claudia asks older Claudia to tell dad, Egon, that she's sorry. They hug. Older Claudia just reminds her that if all goes well, Regina will live. This could be somewhat confusing. If Adam will travel to Jonas and send he and Marta to the origin world, why does older Claudia have to keep traveling? Wouldn't her work be done? But no, she must go into 1987 to talk to her younger self with the red hair and then bury the suitcase time machine mm-hmm. for Claudia to find in 1987. Otherwise, those things will never happen. She also must send Stranger Jonas on his way and tear the pages from the diary. She must stop Jonas from interfering with Michael's suicide. And she has appointments with Tanhouse, Agnes, Noah, and Egon. So when Claudia goes to Helge's cabin to be shot, her work is complete. She can rest knowing Regina will live, but not until that moment. That's a, I don't even know what to add there because like you, you got it all spelled out for us. And I'm looking at all these appointments in her book, like all the stuff she has to do and like her little calendar is full, like up until like her last moment when she can finally rest. <laughs> That's when she's dead shot by um, Noah. I mean, it's wild. Um, hugging yourself is wild. Just that, like the fact that she's having that conversation with herself. Yeah. And then we know that her older self did that. Her older self, you know, fulfilled that promise to like, tell her dad that as uncomfortable of a conversation as that, <laughs> that played out to be like she did it. Yeah, I had to, I mean, I had to write this down because I was trying to understand it myself uh, Mm -hmm. because I was just like, why isn't Claudia, why is Claudia still doing stuff? (laughs) It's like, can't she just, can't she just like, it's confusing because like theoretically, if everything goes well, their worlds will this, is it their worlds that will disappear or just the not people will disappear? So I think that's another thing that's unclear, but there's the the chronological, what I watched to write this was the chronological Claudia timeline that's on the dark YouTube mm-hmm. channel. They have all those Claudia chronologies. So yeah, I was watching that closely to see like, okay, after she hugs herself, what happens next in the chronology. So that's kind of how I wrote this. So it's like, it's me actually trying to understand this myself because it's sort of, it's sort of, yeah, it, it confused me too. (laughs) Claudia. Yeah. It seems like she should be done. Yeah. So like sometime after this is when she goes and tells Egon, you know, you're a good guy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then she, we see her towards the ending of this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It is. It is a bit to think about, but I think I think you um you proved yourself very well there. Like I said, I don't I don't have anything to add to that because I don't want to confuse that issue any more than it should be. Yeah. 
Okay, so then we cut back to world two. We pick up with Bartosh and Marta wow. riding like the wind on a bicycle towards the wind and power plant. Your favorite mm. part, Steve, the bicycle. Yes. <laughs> they and were she's trying not to in the basket. I was wrong about that. <laughs> yeah. But I was also wrong that she was standing on the spokes. She's actually sitting with her legs like Yeah. Like just dangling from the bike seat somehow. I guess. Um, they were trying to intercept Alexander before he opened the barrels. Nearby in the forest, Yona walks quickly, then runs towards the meeting point where Magnus and Francisca block their way. Marta and Bartosh arrive. Jonas pulls the golden snitch from his bag and sets the machine for the right time before placing it in his pocket. He then runs toward the quartet, reaching Marta just in the nick of time. He holds on to her, and the two of them disappear in a trail of stars. Yeah, this is a super cool sequence. I mean, it's 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 one that I've seen a lot of times, and I've seen like a lot of memes of it. It's also kind of unnecessary um, that he does it this way, <laughs> but it makes for a really fun action sequence when, like, you know, you're on the final episode, you got to have a moment like this. So, you know, I think it succeeds. I don't think it was necessary, but I do think it succeeds, and I like it. What do you mean by it's not necessary? Like he could have just simply walked over there, like in Magnus said, hey, and I'm, Francisca, I'm, I'm, just gonna <laughs> just grabbed her hand and said, "Hey, I'm taking her," and and then did the stitch thing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He didn't have to like do it ahead of time and jump over there, but I don't know. It just kind of shows us the mechanism of how it works and how there's mm -hmm. like a slight delay that you have to account for when you use this thing. And I don't know. It it, it was neat. Um. But yeah, it, it was it was a show moment for sure. I'm going to do a rare thing and I'm going to, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, critique, do a slight critique or complaint. I love this okay. scene. It is it is. I think it it jacks up the suspense a little bit. We haven't seen that a lot in the show. So it is kind of fun to have this slow mo and then Magnus turns mm -hmm. his head and he sees him and it's almost like, no. <laughs> And you're wondering, you're just wondering, is he going to grab her in time? And he does. And it's really cool. But Lewis Hoffman doesn't know how to run. <laughs> oh, I didn't pay attention to that. When you run, you're supposed to pump your arms so you run faster. Jonas runs with his arms <laughs> at his sides. <laughs> okay. Nobody runs that way. No, well, I don't know. I have seen scouts. <laughs> <laughs> with some really I mean, weird running habits. <laughs> you're right. People do run this way, but it doesn't. It looks really bad. I'm yeah, like, if you're really. <laughs> yeah, there's an action coordinator on set. I'm sure that could have <laughs> given him that note. Yeah, I mean, it's that obviously isn't the production's expertise. They're good at <laughs> they're good at interpersonal relationships and conversations. But yes. it has like nobody told him to not <laughs> just keep his arms stiffly at his sides as he's running. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's got like a you know tennis elbow or something. I don't know. Give him a break. He's been yeah. through a lot. This is <laughs> okay. Guy. It's I've been listening to you and James too long, you know, because you guys every once in a while yeah. will list complaints and go, yeah, that way. This is to know how people shovel coal or whatever, you know. So I've been listening <laughs> right. to you guys too much. <laughs> okay, so moving on, the two appear next to the bus stop. Mm 
Yes. They are in world one now. They regard each other with suspicion. For Jonas, it's his first time meeting the other Marta. Marta has a visible reaction too. Here she thought Jonas was dead, and here he is alive and well. However, this Jonas doesn't know her. This Marta had her life turned upside down when Jonas crashed into her world, insisting they were connected, had sex with her, then turned cold the next morning. She then mm-hmm. had to watch him die in cold blood. Now she must bear the pain of him not knowing her, and she's back to square one with him. Yeah, I don't think he did a great job of like explaining himself and like convincing her here. Like at least we didn't get to witness that. <laughs> Especially with like how important their plan is. Um, I just felt like he didn't explain enough. And I was just shocked um, that he was successful. He's got a lot of luck on his side. Yeah. Well, we've seen. We've seen this. Jonas, we've seen Jonas do this before with when he gets in mission mode. He's very <laughs> right. much like Grandpa Ulrich. He just Act goes. He thinks. Yeah. yeah, he's just ready, and he's just kind of like, catch up, keep up with me now. Here's what we're <laughs> doing. We're going to do this X, Y, and Z. Just come with me, and then he just takes off. And Mark yeah, is and I guess like, he's got that. He's got he's got that unspoken charisma as well that people want to follow him and want to be around him. Like they don't really talk about that, but it's obviously there. Um, otherwise like, you know, Francisca and Magnus and all them like wouldn't have hung out with them as much as they did like towards the later part of his life. Um, something I hadn't really thought about until now, like Jonas is supposed to be a, um, you know, he's a, he's a world building figure. Um, so he, he must have some sort of charisma about him that attracts people. Like Bartosh likes him, Martha likes him unexplicitly, unexplicably. Um, I don't know. Am I going off on a on a bad tangent there? Uh, I don't know if I think. I mean, we see the charisma sort of kick him, and he becomes Stranger Jonas, and then going into Adam. But you know, Jonas was a quiet soul that was sort of shy and, and unassuming and a little a little awkward. I think Marta liked right. him because he was kind of serious. And that's true. You know, like a still he's like he was, you know, compared to like Magnus and Bartosh who were always joking around and acting acting like a bunch of nitwits. Jonas kind of was mm-hmm. like he was like the the old soul a little bit. So I guess you could call it a form of charisma, but but um, it gets at something I want to talk about later, but it's like this uh, inability sort of to express oneself uh, emotions healthily. But yeah, he also had Mikkel right. or Michael as his dad, so he didn't have a great model of expressing your feelings. True. Well, and then there's, you know, Hannah, who <laughs> wasn't the healthiest person. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, he, um, you know, she kind of like, you can see that she really is, you're alive. And she kind of steps forward. She's so happy to see him. And he just stares at her like, 
he's like he just like you look like her you know but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah but he actually has i don't know remember we had this we had that person write in that i don't remember who it was but it was a feedback you got from somebody that said like Jonas actually has a lot of emotions. He's just af- he's just afraid to show them that people yeah, will. I remember that. You remember that? So yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Okay, so she demands to know what year it is. Getting more angry as the seconds count forward. <laughs> Jonas is going through his own emotions. He's still somewhat cold. He tells her that today is June twenty first, nineteen eighty six, the day that both of their worlds were created in Tannhaus's world. Tanhouse the clockmaker will open the passage for the first time today and they have to stop it from happening. Yep, we should have started talking after you finished reading. We should have let you read that before we had our conversation. So I think we're ready to move on now, right? Yeah. So then we warp to world two. Adam holds a gun in his hand. He enters Air at Lux and sets the Adam and Eva paintings on fire. He walks into her time travel portal room, perhaps admiring how well constructed everything looks. (laughs) (laughs) He flips the switch to make the globe stand still and he will travel to Eva. Yeah, I think, again, this is like a a symbolic gesture, just like the, the unknown came and burned down Adam's world. Now here's Adam burning down Eva's world. Um kind of a little bit of weird timing but i think it's like the same thing like a symbolic gesture of like this is what i'm gonna do i'm not gonna leave any trace behind Mm -hmm. we're just gonna get rid of these worlds um yeah i I think i think that's what the burn that's what the burning means to me uh he doesn't really have to do that but you know for us viewers he does yeah, that's a little, it's a last little middle finger to Eva. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. You burn my paintings, I'm going to burn yours. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that makes sense too, yeah. So back in World 1, Jonas and Marta stop outside the cave. She stops to ask where they are going. Jonas tells her that they are bringing someone back from the dead. In order to do this, they have to get to them before they die. That's not enough to get Marta on board. She wants to know why. Jonas finally stops to look her in the eye. You and I, we're the reason everything happens the way it does. Because neither of us can let go of what we want. But we are the mistake, the glitch in the matrix. This isn't entirely true. The worlds themselves are the mistake that Tanhouse made. Yet I guess in order for Jonas to do this, he has to feel responsible. It's not just Jonas and Marta who can't let go of what they want. It's all of Wyndon. Marta can't help but feel a little hurt. Does Jonas want their worlds to not exist for them to not exist? Jonas nods his head yes and walks toward the the caves. In every world and every time, this is where Marta kisses Jonas to try and convince him to choose her. But this time she doesn't. After a moment, Marta finds her resolve and follows him into the darkness. Right. Yeah, that that is the moment. And this is just another signal that things are going to be different this time around. Like she's not trying to talk about it as a resolve. And also, I think this, um, you know, we hear, I think there's a neat thing like in the past, like few decades where 
we have like the the anti-hero stories. Well, I guess, you know, it's always kind of been around, but I, like in my lifetime, like Taxi Driver was one of the first ones and, you know, Fight Club and um, Joker and th- these anti-hero stories that we kind of cheer for. This kind of re- reminds me of like an anti-love story in a way, mm-hmm. because it's not like about, you know, these two people that find each other and live happily ever after. They find each other and they have these problems because they found each other and they were never meant to be. So they have to destroy their love and everything. So it, it's very much like an, an anti-love story in that way, at least in my opinion, at this point in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite moments of the episode for some reason. I ended up because I know it's one of my favorites when I ended up watching something more than once. Mm-hmm. I really liked the music in this scene, how it kind of played out. It was the music was really good. And also it's kind of a little bit Jonas kind of gives her a little bit of a bone here because she said he says, uh, we're the reason everything happens the way it does. Because neither of us can let go of what we want. So he's kind of admitting like, yes, I want you. You know, it's not that I don't want to be with you. So he kind of, I don't know, I felt like that was a little bit, Hmm. a little kindness at least he was giving her that (laughs) he kind of stops to explain himself a little bit instead of just trucking forward. And then... um, Marta kind of, she watches him walk into the cave and we've seen this kind of dynamic happen with them before where one of them walks away and the other one's kind of left and Mm -hmm. she watches him go in the cave and then he, he notices she's not following him. So he stops and she kind of sits there for a minute and she then finds her resolve and you can kind of see because she takes this like deep breath and then she's, she like resets. She's like, okay. And what exactly, um, what exactly was the tipping point? Not exactly sure here, but, mm-hmm. you know, he says, um, we are the mistake, the glitch in the matrix. And first, and somehow Marta then realizes, okay, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to do this. And she makes this brave decision here to sort of do something selfless. And maybe maybe Jonas's words here give her that strength to to follow him because she wasn't on board before. You know, she was just like, wait a second, you have to explain yourself a little bit. Like, what is your plan? Yeah, and there was a lot of repeating of like these same phrases a lot. And I guess like that's the payoff for these phrases and some of these things they say to each other because they can convince the other person in the future, like based on some of these phrases that they keep going back on and keep repeating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay. So then in world two in 2053, Eva regards the burned paintings. She looks down. She then looks down at the St. Christopher pendant in her hand. In walks Adam. Eva has been expecting him. As always, she puts on a brave face to show she isn't shaken by what he does. And I feel like we just saw that in the scene before. So that was 
you know, it's cool mirroring here. So Adam holds a gun. Yes. Eva pulls the gun to her chest. Adam won't win because his murdering Eva is what convinces Marta to avenge her older self. She will turn against Adam once and for all. But Adam doesn't shoot Eva. Eva gets impatient and uses her hand to try and pull the trigger on herself. This is when Adam reveals he has removed the bullets. Time doesn't intervene. Instead, good old-fashioned free will. Adam <laughs> makes the choice not to shoot Eva. Eva is befuddled and a little afraid. What can this mean? Because Adam always shoots her. I want to interject here because mm -hmm. I want to like, I, I like what you wrote down there and just want to emphasize that, that time doesn't intervene. It's the good old fashioned free will here. Cause we always talk about how time like just makes things happen. But instead here, you know, Adam pulls the rug on time, um, <laughs> which is a nice touch. And um, before we get too far too, I just wanted to say like, just how badass Eva seems where she's like, you know, they always have their back to the door and they let people mm -hmm. walk in behind them like, and they don't turn around. It's just, you know, it's a badass move and Eva doing it here. And like, I've been expecting you. It's like, I don't know. I just thought that was a little bit of a badass moment. I liked it. Yeah. He has to, and, um, yeah, he has, she has to be like, yeah, you're going to do your thing, but you're not winning. You know, she has to really <laughs> give it to him. He has to tell him. <laughs> and this is that, another reason. This is another moment that made me think that um, it's not a loop. That it's one time. Because she's all like, oh, you always shoot me here, right? Because she's like, what can this mean? Adam always shoots her. Um, I don't know if we're going to get into that in a minute here. I don't think we do. I think this is an appropriate time to say this. Um she's expecting Adam to be there to kill her. It's not because she remembers this exact moment and she's been living it over and over again. It's because her younger self found her older self dead. So that's how she knows that she was shot and killed at that time because her younger self like experienced it. And of course that all gets flipped on its head here because Adam changes it all up, but she makes it sound like she has lived this moment and she remembers this moment. That, that doesn't like, doesn't hold water with me. But wouldn't that, wouldn't that mean that it happened at least twice? <laughs> if it happens. And well, if it happened, if, if they remember it happened, if like, the younger for the younger person remembers that it happened because they were younger, mm -hmm. then it would have had to at least happen one. <laughs> I can't even, it's too hard to say. <laughs> I see what you're saying, say, but I see what you're saying. It can, it can lead us down a road and we're, we're, we're on a different path today. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I don't know. It's just hard to justify your, your like, I was, I'm just, I'm laughing a little bit because I was like, okay, Steve has going to use, you're like, I'm going to use this moment to try to prove my theory. <laughs> well, that's like, what we do. We like, that's, that's how we try to make these theories and try to find little yeah. moments that justify it and find these connections. And so like, yeah. that was one for me. That, I'm, I'm channeling, really I'm, out. I'm, I guess I'm channeling my Eve right here. I was like, yes, you go on with your plan, Steve, but... <laughs> 
This is what will eventually bite you in the butt. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> so Adam tells her they will both die and everything that has come with them. Life is a labyrinth. Some wander around inside it until their death in search of a way out. But there is only one path and it leads ever deeper inside. Only when one reaches the center will one understand. All that we have done will ultimately be forgotten. We are responsible for this never-ending deja vu, and we're the ones who have to end it. We are the mistake, you and I. Eva begins to weep. Adam touches her face. For the first time in years, they act kindly towards one another. Adam makes a vulnerable admission here. Their younger selves had a deep abiding love for one another, but as they grew and lost hope and became twisted versions of themselves, they stayed connected through hatred. Everything they did was an attempt to thwart the other's plans. Thus, the knot was created. Essentially, their lives have become one big middle finger directed at each other. Yikes. Yeah. I guess the one thing I wanted wanted to um, to go back on with that was um, the labyrinth. When Adam is telling her that life is a labyrinth, mm-hmm. and the only one path is inside um, the center. Um, a couple of thoughts about that is, you know, of course, in the story and the play, in the center of the labyrinth, that's where the Minotaur is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's supposed to be like where the, you know, the evil thing that you have to conquer is. And once you can conquer that, you know, then you're, you can, you know, follow the thread that you, that led you there back out again. So in this case, they, they talk about how the, the, um, the unknown is kind of like at the center of things and how he's the, the center point between the two worlds. And I think at one point they call him the Minotaur. Yeah, and they thought, well, they thought he was the origin. Right. Okay. Maybe that's, maybe that's what, um, what I'm getting at is like, I was trying to figure out, you know, if this is a labyrinth, you know, it, is, is the, the unknown, the center of it, which I guess Adam's trying to say here that like, that you are your center. And if you can conquer yourself, and um, like they say, if you want to change the world, change yourself and the new mm-hmm. you can then inspire the world to change. So I kind of think that's kind of the same thing as what he's saying here, I guess. Hmm. I guess I see it a little bit differently. I feel like the labyrinth, it could refer to like all this time, both of them have been, they've been operating with the information in their heads. They came up with their own story that this was somehow all about them and that they, you know, the origin was their son. So it's, it is, mm-hmm. it's part of the, the sickness, the toxic nature of their relationship to one another is they actually have made their relationship the center of mm. the labyrinth. Okay. And it turns out that actually the center is that we're not the center at all. You know, this is. We're like the center, Tannhaus is at the center. And until we had that piece of the, we couldn't solve the maze until we had all the pieces of information. So we had to, 
I mean, they weren't the ones that found it. Claudia did. She gave them the information, but they're going to use that information to now get out of the maze. But it makes me think of, um, they say like one way to solve a maze. If you're ever lost in a maze, they just say like, put your right hand out and you have to, you'll get out eventually because if you put your right hand on the wall and follow it, even if you come to a dead end, you're going to keep going around and you'll get out of it eventually by just oh. putting your hand on the wall and like finding something solid instead of just hmm. finding your own path. Okay. Yeah. I'll do that next time I'm in a corn maze. <laughs> <laughs> it might take, it take, it might take a really long time, but you'll get out sure, eventually. Sure. That's a hundred percent accuracy. I like that. Yes. Okay. 